0: I just want to say thank you so much um, to Jeff and Julie for having me um, come and speak at New Song. I have um, I've known about New Song since since it, its its beginning and have hosted um, teams from from this church in my house in in um, in the UK. And it's like it's amazing to to kind of be here. Um, so, like Jeff said. We are in the process of um, moving to New Zealand. My wife, Vicky, she's from New Zealand. I'm not I'm from America. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm born in um, Washington State in Spokane, and um, Jeff, I, I heard that dig about this being like um, Seattle. Um, Seattle is God's country, my friend. and you'd be lucky. <laughs> To have it rain like Seattle, but you know when I traded Seattle, we moved um, we moved from Seattle to Australia as a family when I was five, um, my parents are, are pastors, and I kind of thought if I could run anywhere away from that, that would have been a good thing. but God had other plans, and um, you know we sung it this morning there 's there's no, um, no war you want like door you won't break down like because you pursue me and and that's the kind of love that God has for us he pursues us he doesn't let us settle in a place where um we're not fulfilling the call of God upon us he chases after us and he does whatever it costs to bring us to a place where we can be his hands and his feet and demonstrate the love of God in the world, and to show the the power of God at work in us, so you know we're really blessed um, to be able to to be taking that love and that um, you know that that hope that we have in Jesus, and and going and planting a church in Auckland in New Zealand. Um, after fifteen years of, of being in um, the UK, man, I never thought I would stay there that long. Um, the, but it's, it's been one of those places that we've really grown in and we've, we've seen so much of God's kingdom kind of breaking out in us. So this morning, I want to talk to you about dangerous prayer. Um, yeah so if your prayer this morning if your prayers have gotten to a stage where you just feel like you 're in a real nice niche and it 's like it 's comfortable and it and it's it, it 's kind of doing a little bit of what you hope for, but you know it's it 's just ticking over this morning. I want to challenge your mindsets on what prayer was supposed to do and um and show you in some of the scripture um some of some of the ways that God used prayer to change people 's lives and their story and turn their narrative upside down so we 're going to look at some some stuff, but I want to first um, talk about some some dangerous prayers of my own when I was in my um, senior year of high school, I was in a christian school and um, and just because it was christian it didn 't really necessarily mean that there was um, my friends were were going for God, in fact, it was the complete opposite. We were filled with a bunch of pastors kids who were um running away from God rather than running to god and um the The thing was that there was there was lots of um, drug use and lots of um, just everything that you can imagine was going on in my school year and um my friends and I. We got together and we, we had this real burden that if we prayed, we would see God's kingdom break out in our year group like never before. So we went to our head teacher, our, our school principal, and we said, um, "Look, can we have a classroom at lunchtime? We just want to we want to start a prayer um, a prayer group in there, and um, just once a week, and we'll see how we go." And um, you know, he didn't think twice about it. He was like, "Oh, students wanting to pray—that's great." So we, we began prayer, and um, it started with three of us, and we went into that classroom, and we, um, we prayed, and we prayed up a storm, and within the first three weeks, we went from three to 80 people from a- across all the year groups, and, um, and it started from being one day a week to almost being every lunchtime that we had praying for our school, praying for our school friends, and then the head teacher got wind of the fact that um, something was going on in his school, and he he kind of called us to his office, and we were a bit um, we were a bit afraid. But he he called us in, and he said, "I've heard that you are um, that not only are you praying, but you're praying in tongues, and that's something that as a school we don't do." And um, you know, there's more students than I thought there was going to be. We 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 were comfortable with the the fives and the tens, but now that there's over 80 students, um, we we now need to put something in place to manage that. So we're going to put a teacher in in that room, and we kind of thought, okay, well, we'll we'll roll with that. Um, But what happened was the teacher walked in on that first day and wrote the word prayer on the board and said, okay, now put your hands up in the air, and one at a time I will receive your prayer requests. And um, once we've gone through those prayer requests, then we then we'll then we'll pray. Um, and it was like a wet blanket was put over this this movement of prayer. And whenever we step out and we do something in the kingdom, there's always opposition. There's always things that will kind of try and stop you from achieving the thing which is there. And and you could even you can sometimes you can take that opposition as a as a reason why you should stop or a reason why the, that you shouldn't be doing the thing which God has put in front of you to do. And in fact, a lot of the people who, that we'd gained the momentum with, um, they kind of felt like that wet blanket feeling was, was too much. So they stopped coming and it was just again, it was me and my three friends. And so we, were, we had this determination in us that God had told us to do something and that we had this strategy, the right thing to do. And um, so we decided that rather than um, breaking any school rules or doing any sort of thing that would cause us any issues, what we would do is we would go to the football field. You know, all of our friends were down there playing rugby league, having a great time you know, um, tackling each other, playing sports, and all that kind of stuff. And we decided that we would take our prayer, and that we would stand underneath the football posts, and that we would pray. And quickly, the thing that was capped at 80 became something that my whole school year would come at lunchtime, and we would pray from the beginning of lunch to the end of lunch, and we would be speak- speaking in tongues, praying in the power of the Spirit. We saw So many of our friends and so many people that had never met Jesus meet Jesus for the first time. And we we saw breakthroughs in things that we hadn't even imagined that we would see. But the thing is, the opposition that came against us that wanted to stop us could have been the end of that story. And it wouldn't have been a story worth telling. Do you remember that one time we decided to start a prayer group and it went for a few weeks and it did nothing? That's not a story that that I would stand up here 15 years later and tell you because that's not a story of breakthrough. But the, the reality of breakthrough is when there is a thing that comes in your way, something that stands against you, you have a choice. You always have a choice as to how you react or you respond to something. And you can decide will this story end here? Or will I see the more which God is, is giving me? So that's where I want to start from this morning. In, um, in Scripture, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, it says, We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. And to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. See, our weapons aren't weapons of, of natural weapons. We have spiritual weapons that God has given us. Weapons that are mighty to pull down arguments. To come against things that we don't know how to battle in our own strength. And so often, when we come up against issues and problems, our first response is to see how we can fight it in the natural. We get angry, or we get upset, and we, um, you know, we maybe call up Pastor Jeff and say, Jeff, I'm having a rough time, I don't know what to do. But the thing is, God has given you mighty weapons. Weapons that are at your disposal at any time of the day, any time of the night. God has given you those weapons that you can use, and because of those things... God has empowered you to see the breakthrough which God has for you. I was reading a book not long ago, and it's by um, a guy called Erwin McManus. And I'm just going to read you this excerpt from it. And he's talking about his son, Aaron. And he says, Aaron was just a little guy. And I was kind of glad because it was a church camp. He's talking about sending his son to church camp. I figured he wasn't going to hear all those ghost stories because ghost stories can't really cause a kid to have... Um, ghost stories can really cause a kid to have nightmares. But unfortunately, since it was a Christian camp, they don't tell ghost stories because we don't believe in ghosts. They told demon and Satan stories instead. And so when Aaron got home, he was terrified. That first night home, Aaron asked his dad to stay in his room with him. Daddy, I'm afraid, Aaron said. They told all these stories about demons. And Owen McManus said, He wanted to tell his son, they're not real. But because he couldn't say that, Aaron pleaded, Daddy, Daddy, would you pray for me that I would be safe? And in that plea, McManus said he heard a desire for a kind of warm blanket Christianity that too many people assume is all that there is. So he said to his son, Aaron, I will not pray for you to be safe. I will pray that God will make you dangerous. So dangerous that the demons will flee when you enter the room. And Aaron said, all right, but pray that I would be really, really dangerous, Daddy. See, the thing is, I want to pray prayers that that don't just comfort me and make me feel nice and make me feel like everything's going to be okay. I want to pray prayers that shift the atmosphere and shift the things that are coming against me. I want to pray prayers that, that really know the power and the strength which they hold, and then wield them in such a way that the enemy, he wakes up and he pays attention because Sai is awake in the morning. You know, when I set my feet down, I, wanted, I want the enemy to know that he's got an adversary in me because actually I want to pray prayers that shift the atmosphere and shift the story that is being written. Acts 12 if you turn in your Bibles, if you've got them, we're going to read a big chunk, and then I'm going to unlock some of those things for you. It was about that time King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, in, intending to persecute them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw this met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put in your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but had no idea that the angel was doing what was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Then they passed through the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and then they went through it. When they had walked through the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches, and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen." When it dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant called Rhoda came and answered the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when, the, when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter m- motioned with his hands for them all to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. told James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. Okay, in verse 5, we see um, that Peter was kept in prison. Um, James had already been martyred. He was already killed. And um, Peter's in this place where he's waiting for his death in the morning. And the whole church hears this. And they have a response which astounds me. And it's introduced into this sentence by the word but. But. The definition of but, and maybe you didn't expect to come to church this morning and hear the definition of but, but I, I kind of thought it would be good for you guys to know when you read that word in Scripture that it's, it's there for a reason. The word but is used to introduce a phrase or a clause contrasting to what has already been mentioned. See, this is what our powerful prayers do. They introduce, they bring something contrasting to the stories and the narratives as to what is already going on. So, don't you think that Peter, in the middle of his prison cell, is wanting a a change in his story to happen? But he's in the middle of it. And the church has a response, which they do. And it says, but the church... Earnestly prayed for God for him. See, Herod had already started this kind of bloodlust thing. He was excited about the fact that that all of the, the Jews had seen what had happened with James, and he was like, if I do that, it's gonna it's gonna encourage people to be on my side, to be for me. And um, and so the church is faced with opposition, they're in this place where not like we are here today. There's nobody who's coming in here with guns to take us away. There's nobody who's going to come in and arrest us for our faith this morning. We're in a nation that loves God and has created space for us to be able to worship him however we want to. And that's something we should never take for granted. But the church is here in this place and they so easily could have dispersed So often when when opposition comes our way, our first response is to run away and to hide. But the church, instead of doing that, they gathered together in a place where they knew that their power base was. They got together in in such a way that they were going to go, we're going to release the power of heaven into Peter's story because that doesn't have to be his portion. So rather than running away, they ran together. They came to a place where they began to release the power of heaven. But is a turning point. It's a turning point kind of word and it's really significant because everything is going one way, but then the church begins to pray. The second word that I want to focus in on is the word earnestly. And so we read here that the, but the church earnestly prayed to God for him. And I love this word here because in the face of death and persecution, the pressure on the church and they came together and they earnestly prayed. Now the word earnestly in the Greek is a word called ektinal. And it's the same root um, that of the word that Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane. He's there sweating. He's sweating blood because he's earnestly praying. And this is the same word that is being used to describe how the church came together and prayed for Peter. You know, it doesn't mention any sweat or blood, but this is how the church was praying. They weren't just going, dear Jesus, we pray for Peter. Hope that he's going to have a good time, Jesus, and that he comes out safely. Sometimes that's the extent of our prayers because we don't know how to pray. But this church understood that when they prayed, they could release the power and the presence of God over that situation. They earnestly prayed. And um, they were not content for Peter to meet the same fate as James. And they brought him right into the throne room of God. They could have dispersed, fled to other places and hid. Yet we find them together in prayer being described in the same way that Jesus prayed. Undeterred by their situation, they prayed fervent prayers to God. The third thing that I want to focus in on is, is the word peace. Peter is in the middle of a prison cell. And he's surrounded by guards on each side. He's chained. It says he's got two chains. That's where the rapper Two Chains got his name from. And um, that's my youth pastor joke, um, so he's, he's surrounded by four squads of four soldiers in the middle of a prison cell. And we find Peter sleeping. This is the same Peter who's on the boat when Jesus is asleep in the middle of a storm. If we look in Luke 8.22, it says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in a boat and set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a squall came down on the lake. So the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples, think in your mind, Peter. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all Was calm and he said, Where is your faith? And he asked his disciples, In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? And he commands even the wind and the waters, and they obey him. I absolutely love this story because for me, it demonstrates that as Christians, we are not immune from the storms of life. In fact, When we walk with Jesus, we step out into faith water. Our life shouldn't be comfortable. It should be one that takes us out of our depths into places where our feet wouldn't naturally step. But it takes us into a place where we really have to rely on the power of God. And I wonder whether or not Peter had learned the art of peace in the cell from watching Jesus' peace in the storm. See, we need to learn from what Jesus did, just like Peter did. He, he took the thing that he learned and then applied it in his life. So he had a choice. I could either wait here and fret, or I can sit here in this prison cell, and I'm going to sleep. I'm going to sleep like a baby. And having a three-month-old baby, I've got um, Shiloh. I don't know why they ever say the word sleeping like a baby. Um, because it you know sleeping like a baby is like maybe like a rough night 's sleep, because um, having a three month old we don 't sleep as well as we used to. We used to sleep through the night, and then Shiloh came into our world, and she just lets us know that it 's time to feed or it 's time to go to the to, to the toilet and and um, so we 're awake when she 's awake, so we don 't sleep like babies we 're awake like babies and Peter is um, Peter is in this prison cell between the soldiers, and he's fast asleep. Verse 7 says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and light shone in the cell. Light in the darkness. Light shines. Boom. It's exciting. And I think the angel of the Lord, I kind of imagine the angel of the Lord, like this is like his first assignment. And he's, he's, he's seen all of the other angels get their opportunities, and, and this is his time. And he comes into that cell, and he knows that if he turns the lights on, he's going to get a response. So he comes in and he goes, home. And Peter's sleeping. He's, he's so fast asleep that nothing happens. So he tries again. He's like, a, you know, turn it up to 11 now. Home. And Peter's sleeping still. So out of sheer frustration, this angel whacks him. I mean, you can read it like really, like you can read it how you want to read it, but I read it, he's frustrated that this light moment where he's waking up Peter and taking him out of his prison cell, he's going, dude, wake up. What are you doing? Just wake up. So he whacks him and, and he says, okay, get up now. And Peter gets into this daze and he's like, the angel's like, I'm having to do everything for this kid. And he says to him, get dressed, Peter. Come on. No, your shoes are on the wrong feet. What are you doing? No, your, your arm goes through that hole. Please put your T-shirt on the right way. And so Peter kind of gets up and is stumbling around like he's in some sort of vision. And um, the angel is walking him out through prison doors and cell doors are opening the iron gate, past all these soldiers that are supposed to be guarding him, and he gets out. And Peter is still in this is kind of like, I'm not sure whether or not this is really happening right now. And then the angel of the Lord, out of sheer frustration, goes, all right, bam, I'm done, I'm gone. Um, so he just disappears. And Peter has this moment of like, oh, I'm not in prison anymore. Okay, cool. All right. So, oh, that, that actually really happened. So he goes and he finds the people in, in earnest prayer. And he knocks on the door. And this servant comes to the door. And she's, she's kind of like, she hears his voice and is so excited. She recognizes who he is. But forgets to open the door. This is absolute comedy. She forgets. She's like so excited. Oh, my goodness, it's Peter. And runs back into the prayer meeting and they're like, oh, no, it's it's definitely not Peter. No, we're praying. We are praying. Come on, let's be serious here. Come on. And I feel like the type of prayers that are dangerous prayers are the ones that interrupt your The answer interrupts your prayer while you are praying it. See... The church had gathered together against all the odds to pray these prayers that were dangerous, powerful prayers. They weren't expecting, I don't think, for God to answer it in that moment. But Peter knocks on the door and they're like, well, he must be dead. It must be his angel. And so Peter has to continue knocking on that door. And I think sometimes the answer to our prayers are knocking on our door saying, I'm just waiting for you to recognize that I've answered the thing that you've asked for. Stop waiting around because I've already done it. I've already done what I've said I would do. You just need to get on the same page as me. And when they recognized it, he then mobilized the church to go. See, when we go from a place of power rather than a place of fear, the world is shifted. And what happened is the church... They understood because they saw the breakthrough of God. Then when they left that place, they were going out in the power and the authority of Jesus and the breakthrough that their prayers were powerful. And see, the thing is, the way that the enemy keeps us useless is by telling us that our prayers don't mean a thing. Now, hanging out with... um. Hanging out with Jeff last night, he was telling me about. We stayed in Brooklyn when we were in New York last week, and he was telling me about the the Brooklyn Tabernacle and their prayer meetings, about how um, the line for their Tuesday night prayer meetings goes around the block, the whole block, and it could be up to 300 people waiting in line to go and pray. And man, the, the churches that I've been part of are always filled with the one prayer, that one person, that Gladys kind of, you know, she knows her authority, she knows her prayer, but she's got loads of time, so she gets to come and pray. And um, you know what, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves... See, there's an act of humbling that has to occur where we go, I'm putting prayer in front of my own values and my own wants and my own desires. If I'm going to humble myself and come to pray, come to pray those dangerous prayers, not let my own sense of self-worth or self-value get in the way, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, regardless of what comes my way, I'm going to pray anyway. And I'm going to pray, and that's when God promises That he will kick in. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I've heard this morning that you are a church that believes in the power of the presence of God. And it's not just for here. It's so that the power of God is released from this church into all of Charlotte. Do you know what? I don't feel like it wants to stop there either. See, I see the the thing that God is doing in this place erupting in in such a great measure that it goes Charlotte and all the states of the East Coast. Bam! Not so your kingdom is built, but so the kingdom of God is built. And then as the kingdom erupts in in such a fresh way, then it happens that the whole of the United States gets a fresh anointing you know, it's like the, um, the worship leader was saying, she was saying it's having that taste of cake is not enough. And Tommy Tini said once that we have gotten so accustomed to eating the crumbs in the carpet of yesterday's revivals. When there is a table that is set before us that God is inviting us to. So do you know what? Let's come to the table. Let's learn to pray dangerous prayers. I don't want to pray that we'll be safe. I want to pray that when we get up, the enemy knows it. And he's freaked out by New Song Church and all that they're doing to pray. Running, stand to your feet. Father God, we, we know about... Not just being hearers of the word, but people who then do the word. Just like Peter had watched you in the storm, he learned peace from you. And then he worked it out in his life. God, I pray that as we've heard these things this morning, Lord God, that we would hear and then apply. God, I pray that the, the prayer meeting out of New Song... Would be a prayer meeting that people line up for blocks. It, it ruins the, the the traffic of the whole area. Lord God, I pray that, um, Lord, more than just ruining plans, God, it would get in line with Your plan. God, it would get in line with Your purpose. Lord God, that it would activate us as the church of God to release the power of God to the new level. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you.